Hi, my name is Joe Jackson. I'm a journalist, author, interviewer and broadcaster. I also happen to be a lifelong fan of the man they call the king of pop. He was once called Elvis Presley. And so, not surprisingly, in 1994, when I did an interview with Nick Cave, who seemed to have quite a Presley fixation of his own, we chatted about the man. Actually, what you're about to hear is part of a series of podcasts I will be uploading based on that 1994 interview with Nick. But I decided to give this a podcast of its own, purely because it may be of interest to fellow Elvis fans as well as fans of Nick Cave. By the way, if you want to read the article I wrote based on this chat, or gain access to the full tapes for personal or professional use, check out and contact me at my website, joejacksoninterviewer.com. What about Elvis? Now he's a god. <laughs> I knew I could puncture that one. <laughs> That's that proceeding. <laughs> how did you feel? Having said position. all that, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, no, but come on, because I did read uh, Marcus's comment about uh, Firstborn. You saw that in his Dead Elvis book. Uh, sorry. Did you you read his analysis of your album Firstborn in Graham Marcus's book Dead Elvis? No. Did you not read that? Or oh, is that the thing about Tupelo? Yes. Yeah, I have read that. But about not just about the song, about the album. Like he says that. Uh, well, I thought maybe he thinks Long Train Suffering is like the answer to Mystery Train. You know, he'd hear Mystery Train anywhere. Are there elements of that there? Do I detect rhythms of? No? Of elements of what? Mystery Sorry. Train in your song. Uh, of, of uh, what's it called again, that song? Of your song? Yeah, my song. <laughs> train Long Suffering. Train Long Suffering. Um, no. No, I don't, I don't think okay. so. I mean, I think, I think that that's... Uh, you know, the influences there uh, subliminally as it Well, I, I think that there's a broader kind of influence of sort of a gospel type of rollicking rhythm, rhythm and blues okay. kind of gospel okay. Well, what he says about that the whole album... Call and answer type of song, you know, but I don't... I don't, uh, I don't which which is what shaped Presley. I mean, that's obviously was stronger to Elvis than rhythm and blues bass. Yeah. I think, anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, been, was, I've interviewed yeah. Sam Phillips about this, I've been in Memphis, done all that shit, you know, to get to the bottom of Elvis. But he says that the, his, the album is a deep south concept album that begins with the mystical version of Elvis yeah. and Jesse Garland's birth and ends with the elegy to Blind Lemon Jefferson. Well, it... it, it Conceptually devised. I think it, I think that that it was it's easier for, for someone like that to stand back and, and, right. and look at something like that and, you know, it's there in front of them and they can draw, draw any sort of parallels to it. But for me it was... Um, the way, the way it happened for me was that I, I became... Uh, I mean, I'd always been a blues fan, but I, I became very much uh, engrossed as a young person in the whole myth of the whole thing. I was Australian and... and the myth and I, of which? The South? The myth of the, the South and blues music and, and certain films and Southern Gothic literature and all this sort of stuff, all like, at the same like, time like I who, became... Faulkner, all that stuff? Yeah, that whole Faulkner, area of, of and, yeah, yeah. yeah. Why? What did that echo of Australia on your own biographical, geographical base? I just, I just, um, I mean, I think, I, I think, I mean, I came from, came to that from different areas, uh, through the writing, through Faulkner, particularly right. when I was young, and this sort of, this sort of developed and, and grew into other areas. Uh, I saw certain films that had a big influence. I mean, like, like uh, Houston's Wise Blood from the right. O'Connor yeah, novel. I, yeah. I love this film. Yeah. Um, the uh, fact that uh, oh, I'm sorry, okay. I, I, I have a uh, bad memory for names. I'm afraid. Oh, another uh, movie it was. Yeah, another the the um, love hate one, uh, the night uh, night of the hunter. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, R R things yeah. like that. Who directed um, that? Oh, Charles Lawton. Charles Lawton's yeah. first. 
person-only film. I mean, there are a lot of a lot of uh, s secondary. I got this from a lot of secondary uh, places. Where, whereas Elvis obviously got it in, at first hand. It came to me yeah. as you yeah. know. And I, and I don't ever. I never ever went into it feeling that I had the same authority to be writing about this sort of stuff than Elvis did, of okay. course. Okay. And I accept that. Right. But um, I mean, I just became uh, obsessed and infatuated with this particular mythology. Uh, mythology. And, and I thought that, that at the same time, um, there, it was a, written by uh, an Australian, uh, kind of middle-class Australian, white Australian. And in the end, and particularly with the novel that I wrote, I, I sort of invented this uh, sort of bastardized sort of uh, ver version of the South, which was completely uninformed, actually. Um, but, but my own private South, you know, where I could set right, my characters right, in and stuff right, like that. Right. So, so um, I, I became very, very sort of obsessed with that. And, and I've seen the South defined in those terms for anybody from play like, say, Tennessee Williams, that the real South is just a construct, it doesn't exist. That the South is a state of kind of psychology being, you know what I mean? That even the people who live there see it in mythical terms. And if you've been to Memphis, that's how they view it. Even the name, the whole thing. Bono said the same thing to me about when he first went there. You don't see Memphis, you have just, there's so many mythical resonances. Yeah. Well, that your perception is along those lines anyway, from Dublin, Australia, it doesn't matter. Well, or like Mystery Train, yeah. the movie. You know, I mean, isn't that that's the reading of the set of Memphis? And the well, South. I guess so. You know, I mean, Bono's been in Memphis. I haven't even been there. Type I, thing, you're not so. been there. You're not been there. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I assumed you had been. Maybe you shouldn't go there. No, no, maybe. Oh, right. maybe should. Um, so the album, but but was it set out with a, as a cycle of songs to explore that myth of the South? It, it was from first to last. Yeah, from I guess of, to of, the of all the of all the records we made, we I did did go in there saying I want to make a kind of uh, a, a, I want to make a. a I didn't go in there saying I wanted to make a blues record, right. but I wanted to go in and make a record uh, that was that had a lot of references to that sort of thing, you know. And 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 that was basically as as um, as much of a concept as there as there was really. And the song itself, Tupelo, which kind of Marcus says depicts the birth of Elvis and as Jesus. I mean, it doesn't sound like Jesus being born. It sounds more like the other side being born, you know. Um, the dualist. It sounds more dualistic. You know, I just took a lot of those, the lot of the myths, and threw them into the one one song. You know, uh, fr from from uh, borrowing heavily from John Lee Hooker's Tupelo, from the sure. Great Flood yeah. of Tupelo, yeah. uh, uh, to you know the birth of Elvis. You know, in Tupelo. But a parallel between the birth of Elvis and Jesus, obviously. I mean, there are those well, I mean, I think echoes. That, whether you want to, you know, I think whether it's for people like Marcus to stand back and say, "This is what I hear there," or you meant. Well, I think. That, um, you know, a lot of that stuff was intentional, um, but but you know how much of it was intentional. I'm not, you know, I, I can't really why recall. Would you be, yeah, why would you be shy of drawing that parallel? Does it seem a little overblown now? Well, it would, it would do, yeah. Okay. Um, I am. I have to say, I'm. You know, I, I at the time of doing that, uh, you know, I was much younger, and and. Now, now I look back on on that record, and I sort of squirm slightly, yeah. slightly to feel that 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 I had the gall to actually try and take that try on. and do that. And uh, and a lot of I think a lot of people pointed that out at the time of making the record, which I, I didn't really understand why why you know black people, for example, had oh, the okay. rights over over blues music simply because they they suffered for so long and all that sort of stuff. These days, now I feel feel slightly. I, f I find out, you know... That that's true, that that argument is true. I don't find that it's true, but I do, 
I do f- feel a sort of gnawing in the in my conscience there a little well, bit if, about yeah, that. Yeah, but if that was Johnny Cash, Jerry Lewis, and all those people believe that, we wouldn't have rock and roll. No, but I mean, you know they, I mean? They, they still they, they were there type of thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I mean, Blind Lemon Jefferson, for example, was was was. Uh, that grew out of something else, a, a kind of extracurricular project that I was working on at the time, which was writing these uh, <coughs> short stories, fact fiction stories about people that I admired or, or simply uh, people who represented uh, or were parts of myths that, that obsessed me or interested me. And so I, I, picked, up, uh, I picked up on Blind, Lef- Blind, Blind Lemon Jefferson, uh, read a a very short piece about his life, um, took out some key facts and wrote a short story about it, but it was completely fictional, okay. uh, but, but with, with certain key facts right. through his right. life. Right. I think uh, there were certain characters, certain other blues musicians that, that were uh, existed at the same time who feature in the story and stuff like that, um, and wrote and wrote this piece, uh, like a short story about that, which I then condensed into a right. into a song, right. and, and right. you get this sort of s- strange song out of it. Um, you know, but, I mean, there was a lot of that sort of thing sure. going on. Does, does any of that uh, hook into his suggestion that you were into the kind of hoodoo conjure that hangs around the South? No, the no, of, no. The, the black don't. arts and exploring that as part of the blues tradition? Um, uh, Robert Johnson? Well, I mean, I liked... You know, I was a big fan of Robert Johnson's. But, but, but what you know, does that about, mean going that's that That's about far? as far as it, it went. Really? Yeah. Were you ever tempted? Not really, no. I mean, I, you know, I, I was, as I said, I was approaching this as a, as a, you know, from a completely different point of view, really. I mean, I wasn't, I, I was, I was simply not acquainted with the South when I was writing right. that sort of thing. You know, I wrote an entire novel uh, that's, <laughs> Well, like I say, it's set in my own my own private sort of mythological south, right. which uh, so what um, is, sorry. which is completely bogus in 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 that all the sort of fauna and flora and all the all the animals and all that. I had no idea whether they existed there or not, but I just sort of went ahead and and, and wrote this this novel about it, which is quite great in that respect, and that it is it is completely uninformed. Um, you know, it's it's talking about one of the prime elements in it is is the sugarcane growing industry, which I had read. My mother sent me a, a two-page pamphlet on, and that, that's basically my research into into how to grow sugarcane and everything. But this the sugarcane motive comes up time and time again. There's the harvesting of it and the burning of it off and all this sort of stuff, right. which was basically invented. Um, and in in one, what I'm trying to say is that I that I approach that novel with an arrogance about the whole thing right. that I really enjoyed at the time and, and that, that I actually didn't know anything. I did right. deliberately never went there uh, and, and I, I also did that with the songwriting to a certain degree. So and this of, irritated me. None of it explored the, the, involved the exploration of uh, Satanism or darker forces of life? No. So I even saw that reference in the NMA article about you doing exorcisms or something. What was that, a joke? That, well, that was... Uh, Do you have, because he says, Marcus says that it's said of Nick Cave that he has explored the kind of who, who do no, con- no, conjure. No, you know, and you could hear that in your music. I mean, I've talked to Rory Gallagher about this, where he felt he didn't even need to go to explore it consciously. But through listening to Robert Johnson year after year after year, he felt something tug at him inside. 
Well, I think you know that, I, mean? I think that that's element. fair enough. So, but I certainly I, didn't research this in, right, you know, in right. any way. Was any of it a consequence of uh, drug use? Do you, call for, <laughs> do you call for those kind of things? Um, I think. You want to go up there? Yeah, we've got. Can those forces be called forth by by drugs? The forces of darkness, yeah, that, that's somewhat here uh, operating within your songs. Um, <clears throat> I think what, what's, uh, um, I think that certain drugs definitely can uh, turn you obsessive, and uh, I, I know that that, that uh, definitely happened with me. I mean, I took an enormous amount of amphetamine for many years. Right. It's consequently why I can't remember film names okay. and stuff like okay, that, so yeah. you have to bear with me. All right, there. okay. <laughs> um, and it, it, uh, it, it um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it knocks away these, these uh, barriers of restraint in, in the, the, that are constantly around you, where, um, and, and allows you to take ideas and, and take obsessions with things to, to, um, To, to take the hand of these things and go very sort of deeply and right. I guess very darkly with them and 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 consequently very much on your on your own in this yeah. sort of world yeah. um, I think that if taking a heavy drug taking uh, people can't tolerate you when you when you when you're taking when you're heavily into drugs and consequently you spend a lot of time on your own so therefore All right. therefore uh, you do become involved in things and I certainly did become involved in things that uh, I guess are destructive, but they're also um, um, well that, that uh, I guess would would be considered uh, you know not particularly positive sorts of things. But did they help produce the songs, the sound of the songs? You know, I mean, yeah, I think, those I think landscapes, I, the musical landscapes I hear all over the albums, or any specific album work. I mean, I can't, I can't tell which what what okay. uh, what song what drugs did did to it, and what the, right. if I didn't if I had never taken drugs, what the songs would have been like. Um, but I, I think that, um, you know, I think they would have been they would have helped. Well, all they do is call forth something that's in you anyway. But it, was there any particular recording? Is there any particular, would you have been in that condition recording a song, an album? Yeah. That I hear that. You yeah. know, I mean, I, th I, th I think I was, uh, you know, I was using, heavily using drugs for, you know, most of the records right. up until Tender Prey, I think. Okay. Speed? Speed a lot, heroin a lot. Right. Right. Uh, well, it's basically speed and heroin. I mean, I, I never smoked grass. Okay. I never inhaled. <laughs> I never inhaled. <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, so uh, the nature of the music is obviously not being shaped, but influenced by. I mean, you can't say shaped or created. Form. I don't. Uh, I, I can't. Uh, you, you know. You can't break it down like that. I don't think you can. No. Okay. I, um. It it was all. Um, Why'd you stop them? Love, marriage, being a father. <laughs> I mean, I, I stopped. I, I, I stopped. I went into a clinic, a drug clinic, right. and uh, I'd been busted uh, right. three or four times in a row in the one year in London, and it was basically that. It was, uh, it was a choice between that and going to prison for a while, and it was a difficult choice to make, actually. 
Um, but I ended up going to the drug clinic and uh, and not not really having really any intention to stop taking drugs, but going there simply because you know I had to say, Your Honour, I'm going to a drug clinic for the next right. seven weeks, and he says, Well, right. I'm glad to hear it. You know, case dismissed. Um, but you know, I, I was just forced to stop taking drugs for seven weeks, and by the end of it, I, I you know I came out and decided that I I would continue to stop. All right. Okay. Um, these days, it was about four years ago. These days, I have a more, a less uh, cut and dry approach to drug taking as I did uh, straight after that. I mean, I still take drugs, I still right. drink, okay. but I'm by no means a, a you know, I'm, no, I'm by no means a junkie or, or, right. or right. an right. addict or anything like that. If 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 Elvis is any kind of hero, why weren't you put off the path of potential self-destruction by watching how he went down? Well, I, I always uh, admired him in a way, and, and I think on the one hand he went down, but at the same time uh, I always found, uh, I always enjoyed immensely his later stuff. Do you? In fact, uh, I mean, there were, you know, the Memphis years and stuff like yeah. that, uh, to me, the, his, his most interesting. Memphis as in Memphis 69, well, yeah, like uh, Suspicious Minds in the Ghetto. Minds and all that Which sort of did. stuff. And that, that, that stuff was to me always. Um, his most remarkable and the stuff that I that I you know his that I listened to even up to the latter year how about the you see I recently had to listen to his probably last album I know his material very well uh, Solitaire and Danny Boy and they were all demented kind of well, like Elvis fat in his right. home Solitaire there's, there's something quite beautiful about that too. Neil Sedak detests it because huh? he says that Presley deconstructs the melody fucks up the melody but I think Elvis is singing from somewhere that maybe you or I maybe you reached more than I did but I mean, that was like a year before he died, and he was too fat to come out of the house. The studio was brought into him, so I mean, Lord knows what state he was in. But I hear that in the song. Yeah. And, and I hear and echoes. I'd hear him, you more closely connected with Elvis in those years. Than well, the, I, well the, I'm, I'm much more, I, I was much more influenced. Uh, I mean, I was much more interested in his music from those years, not simply right. because he was fat or because he was taking a lot, a, a lot of drugs or anything. I really had, they were, they were things that, were incidental. Were incidental. Right, right. Um, I found, I just enjoyed that kind of music much more. Would <coughs> um, you know all that stuff, like the, the Last Farewells and the Danny Boys and the, yeah. the, the, the heavyweight ballads, which he seemed to sing his heart out through in the end? Yeah, I mean, uh, what, yeah, I do. What, what really, uh, really impressed me was, uh, I mean, I love this film that was made about him, This Is Elvis. Okay. Um, I mean, I think yeah. the, the early, the, the early stuff of his life, you know, and this, actor acting and stuff's pretty appalling but these uh the final 20 minutes of that film right. had an en enormous uh, impact on me right this is where i watched this so many times this is where he had the famous albert goldman slagging scene where he goes soaring off on are you lonesome tonight yeah he, this, this, he, he, he fucks this up and yeah. and that i mean that that to me is a riveting piece of cinema. Sure and, and i know yeah. i know he's I know he's fucked up, and I and I, and I know he's doing a bad job. But but he's uh, pre presenting himself as a man in extreme pain and extreme right. uh, going right. through extreme torment, yet still still uh, being there and still doing it. Something that that he really didn't need to do. Sure, I don't think. Sure. Uh, and and continuing to do it. And, and I f I found that really. Uh, I found this. I mean, I also found that when he sang "My Way" after yeah. it was was, was beautiful. Yeah. 
and then then he sang uh, the American trilogy. This is heartbreaking. Sure, his sure. version of American American trilogy there was is just heartbreaking. And well, that would tap into the South. I mean, that's like his faith yeah. in the South restored or America or whatever you viewed it as. But I also think there's a moment just before he talks, he does Are You Loved Him Tonight, which I think is the moment he, it's, I've never seen an entertainer strip so bare, where he introduces the song and he says, this song is called Are You Loved Him Tonight? And he says, I am, I was. Yeah. He suddenly goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. fucking hell. Around the, well, yeah, but he said, I am, I was. It's as if he's talking to his inner god or demons. And then he does the song. And it doesn't matter where he goes yeah, with the song. He's, he's he's not, and, and Presley's not someone to, uh, to to say something like that on stage. He's usually kind no, of hams it no, up absolutely. and he jokes. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, that was a real moment of revelation for, yeah. from him. And then there's this long, there's this one long shot that starts a long, a long way away and just slowly pans yeah. in on his yeah. face, just yeah. really slowly. It's yeah. just yeah. as if they knew what was going to happen in this song. It's just perfect. Well, he'd apparently said to somebody while they were filming, I may, look, may not look good on camera, but I look good in a cough. <laughs> Well, this is one of those lines. Why did you do in the ghetto? Just rap about Elvis. What, what was the relevance of, well, I think, of that? Um, it's just a song that I always, always loved, and it's late period Elvis, and uh, I wanted to do an Elvis Presley song, and um, and I wanted to do a late period Elvis, you know, right, later right, period right, Elvis Presley right. song. So. So, you know, we, what about that suggestion is, I mean, uh, that Elvis was torn apart by the dualities of life, of his nature, like wanting to be maybe a, a gospel singer, a God-loving, God-fearing, and then becoming darker. And I mean, Bono's suggestion is that Elvis at the end felt that he had sold his soul for a lot of petty things and collapsed in on himself. I mean, do you think he was driven by those kind of tensions between, especially in the context of the South and religion? Yeah, I mean, obviously. You know, it's this sort of Jerry Lee Lewis sort of same kind of tension. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that that's and, and those forces must have been extremely powerful. Hi, Joe Jackson here again. I thank you for listening to this edition of the Joe Jackson Interviews podcast. And don't forget, if you want to gain access to the full tapes, contact me via my website, joejacksoninterviewer.com.